Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. My guest this week is Catherine Moore. Catherine is an Atlanta-based illustrator and an assistant professor of art at Georgia Gwinnett College. She has done work for Men's Health and Atlanta Magazines, as well as Emory University and the University of Tennessee. We talk about how she went from getting a BA in psychology from the University of Wisconsin to an MFA in illustration from Savannah College of Art and Design, why she wanted to teach, and where her love of art and illustration came from, all right after this. Thanks to Dylan Mengus, Matt Burt, and Anon Avital for supporting the Creative South podcast through our Patreon page. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash South. Every dollar helps us cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you could even get your own podcast episode. So please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. At Creative South, we love Astute Graphics plugins. First time sponsors of Creative South 2016, Astute Graphics makes innovative plugins for Adobe Illustrator. These popular plugins lead the way in imaginative tools for vector designers that significantly save time, boost creativity, and achieve refined results. Astute Graphics have developed 14 popular plugins over the last 10 years, including VectorScribe, Phantasm, Texturino, and Mirror all of which are offered on a free 14-day full trial. Go ahead and give them a try. Astute Graphics are currently holding their summer sale, where they are offering up to 60% off their plugins. Usually all 14 of their plugins sell for 545 pounds, approximately $700. However, the 60% off sale now means you can get all 14 plugins Astute Graphics makes for 218 pounds. That's approximately $287 or 258 euros. Click the link in the show notes to get this great deal. No, that's fine. Okay. So, all right. One, two, three. Catherine, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show, Jason. So let's uh, let's kick it right off of where'd you grow up? Oh, where did I grow? I grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin, uh, which is in southern Wisconsin. Yay, Midwest. Midwest, yeah. Got put on I, the map. I grew up by... in Minnesota. Oh, so. you did? Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. That's cool. Where in Minnesota? Uh, right outside Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay. We went there so. a lot when I was a kid. We had family friends right outside the city. Yeah. yeah. So to show history, I literally, so I grew up in Chaska, Minnesota uh-huh. and Prince, to keep it topical, yes, uh, of yeah. time frame, lived in the town next to us called Chanhassen. Oh, so, yeah. do you ever meet I, Prince? I never met Prince. Oh. Um, I have seen Prince. I have never met Prince. Uh, I he, One of his last shows was in Atlanta, actually. I had a number of friends who went to it and it was really? like within the week that he died or something and they yeah. were posting all over Facebook how excited they were and then just like bam I was like wow they were the lucky ones they got to see him yeah um I never got to see him in concert um anything like that I oh so you saw him like mowing the lawn or something <laughs> no like I saw him like at a twins game or a hockey game or stuff like that but, yeah you know never like close enough where I could you know 
Uh-huh. Speak to him. Not that he didn't have like 75 bodyguards around him at all times. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, my, um, I actually, one of the kids in my homeroom class, um, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the yeah, probably mid to late 80s, he had a bodyguard that beat up a paparazzi guy really bad and ended up going to jail for it. Whoa. Yeah, like he took the bodyguard, took the camera away from the guy and then uh-huh. beat him with the camera. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he ended up going to jail. Um, so his kid actually went to school with me. He was in my homeroom class. Small world. So. Good connections. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> How many degrees um, I, of separation from Prince is everyone? That's the, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess by that proxy, yeah. Like three. Yeah. <laughs> and then for so. me, four. Good. Yes. There you go. See, four. So I wouldn't you, have been able to yes. figure that out. <laughs> exactly. So getting back on topic. Really? Um, you grew up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, what did you like to do as a kid? Were you real arty or were you kind of... Uh, playing around with sports and all that stuff. No, I was never a sporty kid ever. I would, yeah, I was real arty. I would like draw children's books and I would draw video games. I would Mm -hmm. like design, uh, water parks and, um, yeah, it was, I was making stuff all the time and it was mostly drawing. Mm -hmm. I would do stuff like play school, but then it would be like art school. I think I had some Legos too. I did play with Legos. There was some 3d in my life at one point, which has now, gone away you, ha- you have to have legos we had uh-huh. i don't know looking back on as a kid it seemed huge like this huge yeah almost like full-size garbage can to me uh-huh. uh in reality it was probably like a bathroom-sized garbage can yeah but you know oh and marble works legos. did you ever marble works where you put the marbles in the little tracks oh, and yeah, then yeah. they oh that was another good one yeah yeah th- that was always fun the early version of connects too with the metal pieces that Oh, yeah. Had really sharp edges. Uh-huh. That was a smart idea for kids. So good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would so, say, yeah, I definitely did a lot of art as a kid. It was um, kind of a constant. I think my dad had this um, old paper um, from his office and it was like out to the, the headline on it was outdated. So he just gave me these like reams of paper. <laughs> so me and my uh-huh. sister would take the backs of them and then just draw all over the backs of the piece of paper. Um, so that was always in good supply, which kind of (laughs) helps. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, do you take a lot of art classes in high school or did you kind of fade away from it? Like a lot of people, um, did. Uh, I actually took a lot of art classes in high school, but when I got to college, that's, uh, when I thought like, oh, there's no way I'm going to make a career out of this. I don't really know what I'm doing. So I took two art classes in college and that's it. So, I, really? yeah. So I got back into it in grad school. I was a psych major as an undergrad. And then, hey, that, yeah. That's helpful in the design world. The, I mean, you focus more on illustration and your personal stuff, but, uh-huh. you know, that psychology is very important in design. I've actually seen it become more and more relevant. Um, I'm teaching 2D design right now. And so we have this whole mm-hmm. unit on like color perception and all of that is like visual perception and psychology so it's uh it's become definitely relevant in teaching and also in design i do design things on the side that i don't show a lot of people so that's gotcha yeah so so what made you you know so you take two classes art classes in college what made you go in the direction you went in for grad school uh i was still always making art i think like in the 
summer between college, I was always making art. I just thought the mm-hmm. classes, I took a drawing class, I took a drawing one class and a 2D design class. And I actually really liked the 2D design class, but the drawing was like the thing I really loved to do. And I hated that class and I hated the TA and I thought, oh, I'm not learning anything. Mm-hmm. And kind of went a little like rogue on my own and did <laughs> self-teaching for the majority of college. Like I was still doing a lot of... um portraits of people back then, um, which is what I do most of now. So sure. I was always working on that. Um, so I had a portfolio of sorts, but I didn't think to record any f- everything because it was mm. just kind of at that age where I was like, there's, there's internet, but people don't really use it to <laughs> things they, <laughs> they should. Yeah. So I wasn't like, uh, putting things on social media or anything like that. So I was like calling up bunch of people to like get uh old artworks that I know I'd given to them so I could photograph them so I could apply to grad school um so sure. it's like a little bit of a wild goose chase there because I just didn't think about recording <laughs> stuff back then <laughs> but yeah I think your I think <laughs> your uh, grad school application must have been a lot more lenient than I, when I applied oh uh, yeah <laughs> right I won't yeah I shouldn't say though, anything about the Though, granted, I did yeah. really bad mm-hmm. on the math part of GMAT, so that uh, knocked me out of contention. Oh, that's... Like, y- really bad. <laughs> so. Yeah, I took a GRE, actually, or a GRE because I was going to apply to social work schools. Well, I did apply to social work schools, and then I got into uh-huh. a bunch of them, and so I take it the GRE for that. And like miraculously on the math section, the way they have it is that if you start with easy questions and then mm-hmm. you get the first couple ones right, they'll that counts for most of the score. So I did okay on the math, strangely, which was not my usual forte. But then yeah. for uh, for illustration at SCAD, they didn't require it. So Well, it's so not exactly the- you know, relevant <laughs> studies for illustration. Really? Yeah. yeah. How good's your vocabulary and how good are you at math? I use a lot of math and art. I measure so much paper and make so many <laughs> changes to image sizes. <laughs> okay. How much calculus do you use? Then? I have never <laughs> taken calculus, so I have never used it. <laughs> I am the same as you. I have taken, I had in college, since I was a marketing minor and I had I to have a statistics class for that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I got a D in that class and I was happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it wasn't my major yeah. It counted towards the requirement. Oh. <laughs> I never used statistics in any of those classes. Not once. And that was painful. And I never took calculus. And now Google Analytics math. does the statistics for you. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd take, so. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I say I'd take a statistics class, too, for psychology. And then, yeah, I squeaked by with a B in that class. But, yeah, it was. I think that and then research methods, which was my only C I ever got in college. And that one I was like, oh, and then I thought maybe this major might not be for me. And I'm not a scientist. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. So so you apply for sociology school, but you end up going to SCAD. What I mean, what mm-hmm. was it about getting done with it where you're going rogue in undergrad that made you decide, you know what? I want to go to SCAD. I want to study illustration. Mm-hmm. What, what was it? I told this story during our talk or during our panel at Creative South because I would um, go to class in college and I would be doodling throughout all of my classes. And then at the end of the semester, I would take my notebooks and I'd cut out all my doodles. And then I'd kind of look through the notebook once and be like, yeah, I don't need this and like throw it away, but keep all the doodles. And then Uh (laughs) I was thinking, hmm, I think that there's some 
uh, lineup here that's not quite happening. <laughs> and uh, it was just that I really missed doing art and it was something that I was doing in my spare time, but there was no spare time. It's like you become an adult and you don't have your summers anymore. You don't have um, the amount of time that you had when you were younger to make stuff. So I kind mm. of was in this, well, I could go and go into social work or go to law school or something like that. Um, or I could go to art school and I kind of framed it as like, well, if I try this art school thing and if it doesn't work out and I go back to law school at like age 40, like that's, that's fine. People do that all the time. But then I thought sure. it might look a little crazier if I went to law school, decided I didn't like it and be like, oh, okay, now I'm going to go back to art school. And like, still people do that. And that's awesome. But I think I was putting a stigma on it for myself. And then I was like, I'm young enough that I can still try to pursue what my passion is. And so I went for it and I only applied to SCAD actually. And I got in with some oh. provisional courses. Like I had to take, um, uh, editorial illustration, I think something else, um, to be, to get all into those the classes actual you program. Did, yeah, all those they, classes you avoided in undergrad. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, all the classes. Yeah. But I, all, I did avoid drawing one. I never had to take that again. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah. My, um, and if you talk to Diane Gibbs, you can ask her about this professor. Because I went to University of South Alabama mm -hmm. well before Diane taught there. Mm -hmm. um, but my drawing two teacher um, was this little tiny Japanese woman who just had so much attitude. Mm -hmm. And actually, I had her for drawing one as well. And she mm -hmm. would come around and just like stand over your shoulder. Oh, you'll know good there are. And I'm not being racist. I am just mimicking her. <laughs> um, you know, good drawer. Who teach you drawing? And she would get so pissed every time I went, well, you did. That's <laughs> Oh, no, you, you, you must not get good. I was like, I got an A in it. <laughs> so my friend Yemen, who's an illustrator in Egypt, and that's where he went and did his undergrad. What they would, how they would grade the, uh, the artworks was like, you would finish this beautiful uh, rendered painting or something, and they would grade it with red marker right on the front of the artwork. So they would just mm. draw over it and put like the grade on there. And I, I don't know if that was something about reminding you that the artwork is disposable, but he was showing us some of his old art at one point. And we we're like, why is there that big red mark in the middle of the artwork? And he's like, oh, that's the grade. <laughs> because just... my teacher's an asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's I guess the if correct it's all about response. the learning experience in undergrad, then in a way you do need to know to like let it go. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's yeah. the way to teach it, though. No, that's just... yeah, so don't, don't go to art school in Egypt, then, if you don't want that tough love, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's, for lack of a better word, that's just a dick move. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> so, um, so you're going through grad school, doing illustration. Um, when you were doing this, did you have the plan to go into teaching? Um. Yeah, I think I did pretty early on because SCAD is in quarters. So I started at sure. a kind of strange time. I started in the March quarter. Um, mm -hmm. I was like working for AmeriCorps beforehand and I couldn't go in January because of the schedule. So, but I wanted to go as soon as possible and I didn't want to wait for fall. So I started sure. in March and um, after like one quarter, I think I had just like learned so much and it was and it was hard like I felt like I was completely crash coursing but I had like learned so much in one quarter that I was um like I'm sticking around and so I'd actually entered as an MA but switched to the MFA afterwards and then mm -hmm. um teaching was pretty much my 
plan going through because I think I was like, well, if I never get good at this illustration thing, I can always teach. And I think I'd be pretty good at that. So, <laughs> so, so the teaching was your backup plan. <laughs> you know, in a way, kind of like, but I don't want to say that, especially now because it's definitely like something I need. And I think of this, like when I have days where I'm doing illustration, it doesn't happen that often now, but I just have like a couple days, like alone in my house working on something like the social interaction is definitely necessary. And it's also like when you're working oh, yeah. on um, things and you're like kind of teaching yourself so many things and you're learning things from your research on a project. Uh, it's like, you really want to share that with someone. So it's like teaching is a really natural venue to be able to like take all your thoughts and be able to have a conversation about them. So that's something I really appreciated about it. So, I mean, I always see myself teaching in some context or another. If, you know, I don't, still be an art professor i'll like be a yoga teacher or something so <laughs> it's go. like i think like life goals yeah right you know lo- yoga teachers make so much more than college professors I know. yeah <laughs> some of them do they're really good at <laughs> yeah but they have like dvd series and they're kind of creepy yeah <laughs> that's my life goal for when i'm like 70 i think i could be like a really great 70 year old yoga teacher so i'll uh yeah i'll That'll be my new law school as my second career. So there you go. Is your plan to get to that like level of body fat where it looks like there may or may not, you look like super healthy, but there may be something wrong with you. Oh yeah. I know. That, that borderline. Like, <laughs> you get so tan that you look leathery. I'll try. I'll try not to be that yoga teacher. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you get, when you get out of grad school, um, do you, find a teaching job right away or do you um start Mm. you know kind of freelancing and land on something yeah it was interesting at the end of grad school I had so when I went into grad school I had no idea what design was like I thought it was the yellow pages I had never been exposed to good design and in a way never really looked at a lot of illustration either I think it was mostly like the illustration I would have looked at would have been like children's book illustration um I guess maybe it was like reading some papers and magazines that would have had good illustration in it, but design, I just had no idea. And so as I was in grad school studying illustration, I kept having all these friends who were in uh, design and interaction design and like game design and like all these things where I was like, I had no idea this was a career. I had no idea this existed. This stuff is so cool. And so at the end of grad school, I had uh, finished up my quarter and wanted to stay like one more quarter to try to take some graphic design classes. I think there was this... uh, you could get like an MA in illustration design if I would have stayed one more quarter, but it's just, it was so expensive to go there. There was just like, I couldn't spend any more money. So I've been since then crash coursing myself in design as well as illustration. But, um, I think that was something that I wanted to pick up because I thought there might be more opportunities to, um, get into that versus go right into freelance illustration. So, um, the freelance jobs were a slow and random process over many years. <laughs> I don't know if there's a science to it. I think I had a friend who's who's also a professor who was asking me the other day, like, how I got in touch with one of my clients. And I was like, I don't know. They don't know. I asked them. And they're like, oh, you'd been in our file for a while. And I'm like, okay, I maybe sent them a mailer at some point. I have no idea. Like, it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out a... Uh, how how to make it work. <laughs> I'm going on a bit uh, of a tangent here. No, um, no. But yeah, it's just, 
So I think going out of grad school was like you send out your mailers like you're supposed to and you send out your email blasts like you're supposed to. I think I had bought a client list at one point um, and was sending emails out on that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like really difficult for a long time. I had an internship right after grad school um, at this art printing company up in Vermont and they do like the art that's sold at Target, like of the pretty flowers. And oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. gotten actually a little bit more savvy than that. Um, but then they just didn't have a job after the internship. So I went back to Savannah and then, um, I was like working in bed and breakfast for a couple months and then, uh, the busy season died down. So I was like stuck in Savannah, had no job, had like no plan. And it was this pretty awful. And so I was talking to my sister. So making yeah. your parents proud. Yeah, really. Right. No, it's <laughs> kind of terrifying though. When you like, I mean, oh, yeah. I made this huge leap from like what would have been a viable career to like go study art. And then it was yeah. just like, I've got nothing, nothing. I don't even have my piece of paper with the degree on it yet. Like it was, what do I do? Um, so yeah, I was talking to my sister online one day and she was like, you should move to Atlanta. And I was like, that's a good idea. And like a month later I was here and it was just a complete move of like, you have to go where there's going to be job opportunities and Savannah sure. it's really hard to make things work. And I think I had for a long time tried to get my grad school friends to all like move to a place together so that we would, you know, have each other and have this illustration community, but no one was ready to make a move. So I just had to jump for it. So you, I you just described a hippie compound. Yeah, yeah, it would have been so great. <laughs> would have worked out well in Savannah. They have plenty of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so my first job in Atlanta was doing signs at a Trader Joe's for a couple months. And then, um, ah, yeah. Which, which, I which actually, Trader Joe's? It was the Sandy Springs t Trader Joe's. Okay. And every <laughs> once in a while, I still go there. And if you look at the really little signs, you could probably find some ones that I wrote. <laughs> so, <laughs> they don't change those out quite as much. <laughs> yeah, right. They don't get changed out as much as the big ones. I actually learned a lot there, but it was just, you, it was basically like minimum wage. And I got a summer camp teaching job. I was getting some freelance that summer. I was like squeaking by. And then I got a job teaching at this really awful um private high school that was like maybe 20 students and was mostly like students who had drug issues who like needed to get a degree or uh. students who were musicians and so they had to have a non-traditional schedule to uh be able to go to school and be touring with their like girl group or something and those students were actually really cool <laughs> so it and, was this and, and still crazy have their variety problems. of students and then <laughs> i taught there part-time for a year and then I got, uh, I applied for a part-time job at the college that I work at now. And I worked there part-time for about three years before I got full-time last fall. So uh, if there's like a moral to the story, I guess it's stick with it. But it was more out of like I had to stick with it because there weren't a lot of other options. <laughs> that was, I think, uh, yeah. And then I think like freelance was um, just kind of very intermittent throughout that time um i was working a couple of their adjunct jobs for the past mm -hmm. few years but um but yeah it's just kind of like very slow build to like make a career out of something um mm -hmm. it doesn't happen right away so yeah <laughs> well i'm sure many people many of your students are glad that you stuck with it <laughs> yeah i mean i really like the school and i love the students and um it's uh really great i've usually teach a lot of night classes. Um, I'm not 
next semester for like first time ever, but then you have a lot more non-traditional students. And mm-hmm. it's just this like kind of amazing diversity of students um, in this county in Georgia who go to this school. So I would have students who were veterans who had toured in Afghanistan would bring in pictures of like architecture there. Um, you know, students who were you know, born in Ethiopia and bringing over textile art from their home country. And so it's just uh, pretty great to see how much the students bring into the class too. Cool. Uh, yeah. So I, I really didn't realize that you'd only been teaching full time mm-hmm. um, for a year. Yeah. That's wow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of touch going off that and touching on the illustration stuff. Um, just <laughs> I guess rattle off a couple of people that you or a couple of companies that you've worked for that are notable and we'll go from there because i'm trying to remember the references in my head oh yeah um, sure. like like i'm in my head i see this the picture you did of tony hale is um oh yeah Bust, buster um that's the one that always stands out at me because i a i loved arrested development so good and, <laughs> and, and i'm a big fan of veep so yeah i um i've actually never seen that show that's oh yeah. it's really good yeah, so um, that was actually a personal project, but that got me a lot of um, a lot of work from that because that was kind of the thing I needed to finish building up my portfolio. Sure. Um, so yeah, I do a monthly um, set of illustrations for Men's Health. Um, they have this uh, bulletin section, so it's all of these health factoids, and I um, do the illustrations for those. I've done some jobs for Atlanta Magazine. Um, uh, and they do kind of cool design things with those illustrations, like putting them into a, a graph or a chart, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. Um, and then I've done some uh, packaging work for uh, like company up for like branding companies. Um, so one was up in Brooklyn. And I'm trying to remember their name. Oh, Apartment One. And then uh, Imaginaria Creative. I did some package design for them too. So it's been a mix of mostly like packaging the editorial. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk. Uh-huh. Let's let, I guess let's start with men's health and kind of mm-hmm. talk about that. And you know, I won't ask you how you got in touch with them or how they got in touch with you. Well, because I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is why I won't ask you. Yeah. But, you know, I imagine, you know, when you first started working for them, it wasn't going to be a monthly series. It was probably just like a one off piece. Am I right in assuming that? Actually, yeah, I did do a job for one art director. uh it was a back last year and it was this series of portraits and that one gave me a heart attack because if you look at like the arrested development portraits, those can be like 10 to 15 hours to complete and they're probably like two feet tall at least. And Wait, they, it's only taking you 10 to 15 hours to do those. Yeah. I got pretty quick at one point. I was about so, to say that's like, Oh, if I, if I was to try to do that, that would take me a couple weeks. It was, I worked on the, por- I've done so many portraits <laughs> like I've learned how to make them fast I think if I'm really doing something as like a personal project it's like yeah I could probably like 15 hours to make it like really to really good but it totally depends on the face um again I'm going off on a tangent but it's like if someone's wearing glasses that's impossible and if their head's at like a three four angle versus something that's a little more straight on or profile like impossible if their head's tilted like that's that's all stuff that's going to add hours more of work Oh, good. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only but, one who has problems uh, yeah, with that. Yeah, so they <laughs> come to me with this job, and it's like they were going to pay 
what they were going to end up being was spot illustrations. They were going to be reproduced at like one and a half or inches, maybe like one and a half, two inches. Sure. And so they were charging them like spot illustrations, but they were of these really specific athletes and they wanted to get the likeness. And they were going to pay me like 200 bucks a portrait. And I'm like, oh my God, Mm. it's going to take me 40 hours to complete these. I'm going to my sister's wedding this weekend. You need them next Friday. Like it was just a, I can't do it. And I just like get the email and I was like, I can't do it. Like there's no way I can get it done on time. And there's no way I do it for that amount of money because it's going to take me so much time to do them. So it was like kind of this thing where I just had to be like, I'm not, I think I'd had an illustration assignment that summer that had just driven me nuts. And it had Uh kind of like, you know, you know, ruined my life and my sleep and all this stuff. And I was like, I have to stay, you know, like healthy and sane. That's the most important thing. It's okay to say no to a job. And I'm talking it over with some like design illustration friends. And then they were like, I hate to say the E word, but exposure, do it. <laughs> it was like, And so I ended up negotiating with them to get a higher price on them. Um, and then I think ordered an easel to buy parents house so that when I went home for my sister's wedding I was spending every time where I wasn't like lettering her place cards uh then uh just working on these portraits and I got them done and then um art director liked them they printed them and then a different art director came to me a couple months later for like the uh, monthly gig with the spot illustration so it's again don't know what the moral of the story is there um, I guess mostly you have like power over the jobs you take and it's not like you necessarily have to say no, but there is actually like negotiation you can do to get the job. So, so uh, yeah. with, with the monthly series, mm-hmm. how does that work? I mean, is it like always tied into a complete article? Like, I don't know. Yeah, they're actually, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I had this friend who was messaging me the other day who like saw them like, completely in the wild like who had no idea i was doing the illustrations for men's health and just got it as a subscription and Mm -hmm. said like i saw your illustrations so uh it's it's pretty kind of dried it's not um it's not super high level work it's kind of just a rendering uh reference that they're sending me so it's this um it's this little bulletin so they have these little like uh health uh articles that have hit the news market and then it's uh, the illustrations are just heading up each of these little snippets. So it's maybe like a five or six column page mm-hmm. and then uh, probably like five columns. So I think there's one illustration per column and then they have the stories underneath. So, uh, sure. yeah. So they're giving mm-hmm. you reference files and telling you this is what we need. Yeah. And there's some slight changes that they make, like having to crop things and mostly that. But um, it's a it's a good job just because it's pretty quick to do because it's not um super conceptual so i think i may be at the point a little bit where i'm like it would be nice to have something a little more conceptual (laughs) um so So is that is that something you're actively going over after is more conceptual pieces now yeah i think that's kind of what i did after the um arrested development portraits um I said this in the creative south panel too that i had a professor in grad school said i'd get hired as a hand but not a head and I was like, oh, but she's right. And so I. So what does that yeah, mean? I think just like I can draw, but I wasn't putting any sort of concept into the illustrations oh, that okay. I was working on. And I mean, in a way, I guess the rest of elements were conceptual just because of the facial expressions. Like I went through like probably 30 pieces of reference for every single one of those trying to find like the right expression to use. Um, 
but uh, I did this series of the characters of Orange is the New Black afterwards where I was combining them with uh, bird bodies. So yeah, well, they were that's like, yeah, where I was to going like with bring that the, the like puns into uh, uh, the or the, some of like ideas and like humor into the illustrations. Um, I just did one. Yes, they finished up yesterday. It's Ernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is Ernie the Muppet from Sesame Street. Have you seen that one I, yet? I just posted yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think I saw there. you yeah. put that up. Yeah. So um, anyway, so it's kind of a figuring out how to do that with the kind of matching your skills with um, what concepts you can do. Because I think it's like I'm known for the really highly rendered stuff, but it's sometimes difficult to put that highly rendered stuff into a conceptual illustration because those, those might get um, way more abstract. So I'm still experimenting in a way, kind of a little lightly since I'm getting work from the rendered uh, graphite stuff. So I don't want to let that go, but well, trying that, to also <laughs> be pursuing things that are going to be more interesting to me in the future. So more, more uh, creatively fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Men's health. She's completely creatively fulfilled. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Don't tell me. I and, love and the longer, job. And, <laughs> and longer and longer turnaround times, yeah. <laughs> but mostly a higher paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you do have that highly rendered style that you do. Do you, mm-hmm experiment around with your style or do you or is that it's your wheelhouse and that's what you really enjoy doing and I've, I've kind of always really enjoyed doing it it's like something really satisfying but um I'm kind of at the point where I want to experiment more with style um the kind of problem is I guess I'm seeing this all like very professionally of like yeah I could experiment around with style but where would I put that how would I show that I think like Instagram's at the point where it starts becoming a portfolio when someone can click on your name and scroll through so I'm like do I really want to be putting sketches or in a totally different style on this I'm not sure so um well put it on your dribble page or your behance page whichever one you're not sending out for work yeah right whichever yeah exactly right or you've got Uh um what's the other one that I keep hearing about Ello. Is, um, oh, is that so? Did that actually become a thing? I signed up for Ello, and it was really popular for like. I weeks, haven't signed up for it, and I then it keep, was gone. <laughs> I keep hearing the guys with Masters of One podcast talk about it. So, so it's I, still a thing. All right, I guess it's still a thing. So, well, apparently, yeah. if nobody knows about it, that's a great place to put your work that you're experimenting yeah, right. with because you don't have to worry about anybody seeing it. Right. Actually, it's Creative South people were saying uh, singing uh, praises of Snapchat because you can put your sketches up. People might see him, but they won't be able to go see him later. And so, oh, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of old. I still don't get how Snapchat works. I, I have just learned very recently. So, it's <laughs> well, when we get done mm-hmm. with this, you'll have to show me how because mm-hmm. that onboarding is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think where my experimentation and just like creativity ends up going into working on uh, design, like poster design and um, that sort of thing. Um, versus necessarily experimenting too much with the illustration and maybe I should try to meld a little bit of that. But, uh, yeah, it's again, kind of figuring out like once you start experimenting with something and deciding like how much of a leap is it going to be from your style? Is it so much so that you have to have a whole new portfolio? Do you have to make an alter ego? I don't know. (laughs) I know a lot of illustrators who have like multiple sites for different styles and, 
yeah. I feel like if no, I experimented I much more, I'd have to almost do that and like have split personality. Um, it's kind of a difficult thing to like market yourself with your name. And I kind of like when illustrators put themselves under a different moniker because it kind of protects your identity in a way. And so it's like, this is not necessarily everything I am. I can still experiment and be creative and it doesn't necessarily, but what this name is, is it means this style, this person uh, versus like yourself. So uh, I think that's kind of a problem illustrators have. I think even designers, you know, you go under a um, work for a branding company or something, and then you have a name of the company that's not necessarily you, but you can put your work under. So, Oh yeah. I definitely understand mm -hmm. that because I mean, I work for a company. I, you know, so Mm -hmm. almost everything I put out is done under the company that I work for. Yeah. And you know, I really don't do much freelance work. I'll do a, a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, and that's where I run into where I'm like, if I want to get some freelance work just to creatively stretch, mm-hmm. it's, you know, everything's in one style because I work in house. I don't work for an agency. Mm-hmm. So it's finding that way to stretch. Um, and for me, that's, you know, starting to do personal projects and things like that, which I'm horrible about posting up. Um, <laughs> Not post them. <laughs> not, yeah, not for any other reason that I'm just really bad about remembering to put them up. Yeah. Um it's not like I have a podcast and kids and wife and full time job. Yeah, right. and all that stuff that you know. <laughs> but um so so you 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 do with this illustration, you're wanting to stretch your style. Are you working do you work with an agent or do you find all your stuff yourself? No, I find all my stuff myself. I think last year I had this like goal and I was like, I'm gonna find an agent. And I emailed maybe like ten to fifteen different agencies, heard back from maybe three or four, had one that was like mildly interested but were wanting me to like make some changes to my portfolio to make it a little uh more marketable and something maybe a little more editorial. So nothing ever panned sure. out in the end. So I don't know how that would, um, how, I think you just have to have a really good agent. Cause I know some people who have them and they think it's great. And then other people are like, I have an agent, but I never get work from them. So it's, yeah, again, the, the art, not a science of trying to figure out how to get clients. Um, yeah, yeah well, no, I I'd probably be interested in finding one. Um, just cause the marketing part is what kind of, drags me down it's <laughs> yeah like no, you know I, addressing mailers is probably my least favorite thing in the world <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> hey i hear you i wish I, I wish they had agents for graphic designers i have yet to find one of those Re- oh yeah i guess they wouldn't they have them for illustrators were, huh yeah i, I mean I'm, I'm sure of, there's probably yeah. one out there but there's yeah. probably one out there yeah right <laughs> i never thought of that yeah because that's yeah. kind of been standard in illustration to have an agent yeah yeah Huh. I, and I've, I've never understood that because there's mm-hmm. enough freelancers who do work for like agencies, you know, and stuff like that. You've got like Von Glitchka who, you know, I mean, he does tons of stuff that he gets on his own, but he also does a ton of stuff that because he's got an agent mm. yeah. that he does that, you know, some agencies looking for creative takes on some sort of branding project and they reach out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like Shauna Panchezen who does, mm-hmm. you know, lettering and illustration and she's. She actually works with the same agent as Vaughn. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and they're both completely different styles. And I mean, I'm sure it's not the same person who is the same agent, but it's the same agency mm-hmm. that does that. Yeah, but yeah. there's no there's no real agents for graphic designers. 
to That's, my knowledge. All right. Someone who's listening, go yeah. find, go make that market happen. And yes, please do. There is. Um, yeah. Just saying there. Are my wife is a freelancer you. and could use uh -huh. some more clients or some yeah. better clients. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. So, not that she has bad clients, but. Right. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so you're Again, backtracking, <laughs> foot in my mouth. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, you know, you, you've done this, all this illustration stuff. You're, you're, you're wanting to now stretch more creatively. You're mm. still teaching. You've gotten that full-time mm -hmm. gig. Um, hopefully they have a 10-year spot open for you next year. Um, hey. That's they, actually, the uh, they actually don't have tenure at my school. So it oh. is a... But on the other hand, no one ever gets fired, which is actually could be an advantage of the yeah, It's sort of tenure. unsaid tenure. Yeah. Say what? Yeah. yeah, right. It's sort of like the unsaid... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of so, unsaid tenure. Mm -hmm. So, you know... What 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 else do you do to kind of creatively stretch? And, and we'll get back to the teaching in a minute because I do want to ask you some questions about that. But mm -hmm. aside from illustration and you know playing around with design, as you mm -hmm. phrased it, um, what are you what are you doing to creatively stretch yourself and kind of reach out? Mm -hmm. I think that's something I need to get better at is trying to figure out those ways of creatively stretching. But um, I think. Something that inspires me is getting involved in the community that I have in Atlanta. I do a lot with the cycling community and um, a lot of people in like yoga community, and um, there's a lot of great circles here. And so I think um, getting involved in community projects is something that um, kind of stretches me to do different things. So I'm doing art direction for the Atlanta Cycling Festival, which anyone who's uh -huh. in the Atlanta area who's listening should attend. From June 11th Especially to 17th. Especially if you ride bikes. <laughs> yes. And if you don't know how to ride a bike, we'll have a class on how to ride one. So, if you don't know how to ride a bike, you're four. Yeah. So I'm doing um, some new things. Like I'm putting together a print show. We're putting together an artist market, a uh, bike part art workshop. Um, I'm working with a lighting designer. Lighting design is something I've never done before. So it's uh, this. So uh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's a new one. Yeah. Right. How, did you, how did you get into that part of it? Yeah. Well, it was uh, kind of figuring out the visuals for this like opening party for the event. Oh, okay. And so that was uh, part of it was figuring out lights. So um, they're doing most of the work, but it was, it's kind of an interesting thing. They'll kind of learn like how it's done. So, and I like the, um, I like connecting creatives. I think that's something that's really satisfying to me is like kind of finding like the right people to work together. And uh, that's something I've gotten to do a lot with uh, that experience as well. Um, so, Oh, gosh, yeah. And then I've been um, supervising the website and the um, app for the festival. Um, and that was something that I was uh, have been doing for a while is working with um, interaction uh -huh. design, app design. And that's where I'm definitely like pushing creativity into that kind of uh, how we're interacting with media is something that's pretty fascinating to me. So um, I didn't design this website or app that's going to be used for the festival, but, um, have been supervising the designer and, uh, coders who are working on it. And so I've learned a ton just from being part of that process too. So that's something that's been, um, really interesting to like learn more about and something I've been paying more attention to. Um, so yeah. Okay. So going back to teaching, mm -hmm. what, what is it that made you want to be a teacher? Oh, gosh. I think, um, good question. I think it was something I just always wanted to do. I think the, uh, 
I think when I was a kid, it was like I would be playing teaching. <laughs> See, um, I, I think it's just the need to share things that you've learned and kind of having the enthusiasm to share things you've learned with other people. And I think that that creative conversation that happens as a part of that is what draws me to it and got me into it. So again, I think a story I shared on the Creative South panel was that my baby book says that when I grew up, I wanted to be rich and famous, dot, 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 and a teacher. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and, um, those yeah, things so generally don't well, go together. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was like, I got one out of three. It's I'm doing okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think I definitely get a lot out of it. And it's um and that's something where it's as far as stretching creativity goes, that's something I really enjoy doing too. Like coming up with lesson plans and projects is hugely creative. And I can get into the flow, into the zone. Um while I'm doing that, um, very similarly to how I could when I'm working on a drawing, um, and probably in a little bit more so and kind of the like design of how the semester is going to go, how all those lessons are going to build upon each other to kind of bring you to a final project. Um, Uh that's something that I've really liked because it's getting to use different parts of my brain than just visual. It's, um, getting to think about like the organization and, um, kind of what's best for your particular set of students. Cause I have a really, um, diverse, uh, student body at my school. So I'm trying to think of how could I make these classes useful and fulfilling to all of these different students. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, so you yeah. said, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've been teaching a lot of night classes, so you do get that, you know, kind of alternative student where mm-hmm. you know, they're varied in what they do. They may have mm-hmm. you know, had a career before this, um, yeah. mm-hmm. possibly as a lawyer, like you previously yeah, right. mentioned, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're falling on their backup plan to become an artist. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, at least in my case, because I was I bordered that line of alternative student. Like, I started college um, and had way too much fun, and that uh-huh. way too much fun turned into them asking me to leave for a semester, Whoa. which ter- okay. which turned into three years. Wow! Okay. Um, and then I got back in college. But when I got back in college, yeah, it was I had gone out and. You know, mm-hmm. work, worked a bunch of crappy jobs and knew that mm-hmm. I did not want to be doing that the rest of my life. Yeah. So I had to buckle down and get through. Yeah. And, and not that there weren't tough semesters and things like that, but mm-hmm. you know, I had that self-motivation that as an 18 year old, I didn't have. Yeah. So, you know, with alternative students, that tends to be more of the case. Mm-hmm. So does, does something about the, is with that particular sort of set of students, is there something more fulfilling about teaching them versus if you were to teach a traditional student for you? Well, I should say that like probably 80, 85% of my students are traditional students who are coming okay. in after high school. So I definitely have that student population. And yeah, I definitely have students who have no idea what they're doing. And it's, um, I think it's a little difficult sometimes. Um, and it just takes some work of like really realizing when a student, it usually kind of comes to, some something happening where I'm realizing that this student is really not on board. Like I think I had a student who just like sent me a really rude email once and I was just like, we are meeting and we're going to talk because this isn't going to work for you. And, um, and he was just like, I'm just here because my parents told me I had to go. And he's like, I don't really want to be here. I'm not really interested in my classes. And so we sat down and had a conversation with about what he was interested in. Um, and he had, 
was like interested in sports and I was like, you know, you have, we have an exercise science program at the school. And he is like, I, he didn't even know that. So I gave him contact of the Dean of the program and, um, he's been better this semester about just asking in about his grades since then. And it's kind of really tough with students like that because they kind of need a person to really tell them like, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to get on track. And you should never do something just because someone's telling you to do it. And I think that happens to a lot of students who are 18 and they're just expected to go right into college without necessarily exploring their interests. And that's just something that today is the norm. Like college is like high school plus and you're expected to have a college degree. Um, What I like about my school is that they have um, majors that they actually surveyed businesses in the area before they started the school. And the school is 10 years old now um, and asked, like, what majors do you want coming out of this school? So it was the first uh, new four-year college in Georgia over um, in the public system in over 100 years. So um, it was kind of this very concept school of kind of like what the new college is. And so all of those majors are really based around where the jobs are going to be in the area. So, which is especially interesting in Atlanta because we have uh, the huge film industry here in Georgia. Yeah. And so they're um, developing this emerging media program that is going to include like film and interactive design and um, a lot of things that have to do with visual communication. So that's something that's sure. kind of cool that I can be a part of that from the ground up. Um, like I was able to write a new class proposal this semester. And as you know, first year full-time professor, like I wouldn't be able to do that at any other school. So it kind of fits right in with my kind of like, (laughs) I want to be in control and get to make my own stuff and kind of plan things. So (laughs) yeah, so it's, it's good school for my spirit, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with all of this stuff, what is coming down the pipe for you? What is, what does the future hold for, uh, for you? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm like, you're talking to me right as I come out this semester and I just had a day today where I didn't have to be anywhere. So it was okay. like, I could like, uh, uh, I just finished this illustration and now I can like sit and think. <laughs> look, look, looking past the yeah. in-between class hiatus and, you know, taking mm-hmm. time off to uh, relax part of mm-hmm. Big, big picture future. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need to, um, it's, uh, kind of your portfolio will get you the jobs that you want. So, um, what that is, is all like just having time to be able to advertise illustration and be able to do that experimentation and, um, be working on some more conceptual pieces that would be getting me jobs. That'll be not just spot illustrations or, um, renderings, Mm -hmm. but something that's going to be able to have some thought added to that. So, um, that would be where I'm going next, I guess. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of wrapping up since we're getting close to our time, where can people uh, find you online? Cool. You can find me at katherineamore.com. And uh, Instagram is Art. I think that's Twitter handle as well. I'm on Dribble. Probably so, hands, All the things. <laughs> so, so since you abbreviate, uh-huh. uh, do you prefer Catherine or do you prefer Cat? Oh, Catherine is fine. If you want to call me Cat, you can too. So that's yeah. I do abbreviate, but for for brevity of most things. So gotcha. Yeah. So I, well, I was just curious. Right. Yeah. I mean, so like, my name's Jason. Um, 
go by Jace uh, or Son or <laughs> I do not go by well, my dad may call me Son, but gosh, if he's pissed. Um, no, but like so, you know, my really close friends and family call me Jay. Mm-hmm. But if somebody I don't know comes up and calls me Jay, that like makes my skin crawl. Uh, I think like, I have a little of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, yeah, I don't. I'm not that familiar with you for you to call me that. Yeah, I think it's like so, my high school college friends call me Cat, and then that's. But it's kind of an old name, you know. Someone calls you that now. I'm like, huh, okay, yeah. that could be reborn. <laughs> well, on the other hand, my nickname, like since I was four, is Frosty, based on. Frost oh, home. that's wonderful. <laughs> so it gets really weird now that I'm an adult, though. And I see like because I was in a fraternity in college and I see my fraternity brothers who I realized 20 years later, uh, most of them do not remember what my real name is. Oh, yeah. like they just know me as Frosty. And I see them in like professional settings now. It's like, hey, Frosty. I'm like, hi, this is my boss. <laughs> <laughs> so you that's know, always everyone uh, listening now is going to be calling you Frosty. You really <laughs> Yeah, I'm aware of it. I'm <laughs> fine with it. It really doesn't bother me. Um, but it's 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 really only in professional settings mm-hmm. that it gets awkward. So, you know, I'm in a marketing meeting with somebody. and Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I think that I'm happens so if frosty. I'm uh, out like on a field trip with my students. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. See, I interrupted that, you. The audio cut out no, for a no, second. No, no you're fine. <clears throat> I was going to say, uh, yeah, you see that guy over there? His name's over the door of the building. Um, yeah. Can you not call me Frosty in front of him? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so. I've taken um, students out like on field trips and then um, we'll be like, the person who's running the field trip is like a friend of mine and then they'll call me Catherine and I'd be like, no, Professor Moore, like don't, don't let them know my first name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not in Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Professor McGonagall. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Catherine, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks Um, for having me on, Jason. You're welcome. So I end every podcast by saying go out and hug some necks. So would you uh, mind taking us out? Yeah, I think you had a great discussion with Von Gochka last week about why hug necks? (laughs) Where's that come from? (laughs) So I don't have to ask that now. Now I know. Uh, Wait, no, wait. What do I say again? (laughs) Wait, just go out and hug go. some necks. Okay. There you go. You All got right, it. I Yay. Did it. Awesome. Hardest part of the show. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Thanks a lot, All Jason. Right. You're welcome. I'm going to hit stop on recording real quick. You can find Catherine on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram at CatAmoreArt and on her website katherineamore.com and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to keep up with her you can keep up with the podcast on twitter at creative sopod and follow creative south on facebook twitter and instagram at creative south ga over at creative south ga.com and i'm at jay frostholm on dribble twitter and instagram and if you like the creative south podcast head over to itunes stitcher or google play music rate us and leave a review this helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests Now go out and hug some necks.